Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Rashini Rajkumar with you tonight. I'm in for Esme through 9 o'clock. We've been having some fun. Phone lines continue to be open, as they always are when I'm on the air. But I'm also taking your calls and texts about uh, your favorite Seinfeld moment. We'll get into that also with my next guest. Your favorite, whether it's a line, an episode, because on July 5th, Seinfeld celebrated 30 years. Very, very hard to believe. My next guest was alive when Seinfeld started, but he was a young man. Steve Silton is sports business and entertainment lawyer for Cozen O'Connor and my show's regular sports and entertainment law contributor. Hi, yeah. Steve. Great to be here. And I am a Seinfeld expert. You know, my husband is the same way. You guys would probably have a great dinner conversation on that. I I, can, I used it at the, kind of the formation of my relationship with my wife to oh. explain kind of family and particularly kind of New York Jewish kind of idiosyncrasy. Interesting. So, so Seinfeld and his cohort actually helps you woo Heidi? Well, I don't know if it helped me woo. It helped explain things. <laughs> I had a wooer myself, but when I there were times when I needed to explain like certain activities, certain conduct, certain neuroses, right? Certain kind of yours of, of yes, and my family's in particular. So that that was very helpful. It was easier than that, you know. Woody Allen was a little like too uh, esoteric. So Seinfeld. Yeah, I don't know that you want to use Woody Allen for any, any instructional anymore. purposes we're allowed, anymore. We're not allowed to use Woody <laughs> Just Allen. Just like anymore. unfortunately Kevin Spacey. Yes, but um, so I I have to give a shout out to USA Today. For doing in the weekend edition a special cover story on their life uh, section, and they list out some of the different lines and their their top thirty moments. Do you have a favorite line? I mean, can you choose just one? Oh God, I don't know if I I don't know if I can. Right? It, or it, episode? It, it there were there were a whole bunch of them. Certainly, they they were far ahead on certain issues, the LGBT issues, right? With the the Elaine trying to convert. Uh, um, Someone I thought was a very, very interesting one. I mean, the, the way they dealt with sex was was very forward while being in many respects uh, uh, seemingly accessible, something you could talk about at the water cooler. And and uh, and frankly, I just kind of liked how the female character in many respects was the strongest character on the the uh, uh, of the entire show in many in many respects. You know, and look at her today. I mean, these four actors went on to even more things. But Julia Louis-Dreyfus, I mean, she looks better than ever. She's had, you know, personal health issues, but she just the the TV loves her. That's true, right? I mean, she was she's lived a pretty charmed life. She's an heir to the Slumberzay fortune, which which is something maybe that, that a little bit of Seinfeld trivia, right? Really? So, yes. Yeah, so she she was born not only on third base. She was born in the dugout after they had already won the game. Wow. She clearly has 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 worked this, hard. Yeah, has worked very hard. This very very ambitious kind of very politically active, has done these great shows. It's been a... And you can't... I mean, actors, regardless of wealth, I mean, you're either going to make it and be a good actor or not or be a box office hit or not. 
it usually doesn't have anything to do with your bucks, your own personal wealth or your family. No, wealth. obviously there's a lot of ambition, right? The 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 Mara the Mara kids have gone on to get the yes. pretty significant acting careers. I mean, there's there's a whole a whole bunch of them, right? Uma Thurman's another one. I yeah. mean, it's a there's it a, does help. I mean, it, it certainly does help. Uh, let's talk about uh, some, speaking of some other strong women. The U.S. women are going to the World Cup final Great tomorrow. Time. I believe it's 10 a.m. Central Time. Yes, uh, and I'm very excited to watch that. Uh, thoughts about this because they are defending their title. Yes, yes. No, it's a, it's a it's so interesting because the U.S. men received a significant amount of greater coverage in not making the World Cup two years ago, and this year the the U.S. women have not only obviously made it, but they seem to be playing fairly dominantly through the entire uh, the entire draw, and uh, it's uh, it should be a great, great, great final match. I think they played their toughest matches. I think the final match, frankly, is going to be a Underwhelming? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to win, and I think they're going to be world champions. I think it's going to be good for U.S. soccer as a whole. Um, the U.S. men's team was actually here, as pe- some people might know, just a couple weeks ago, and I had the kind of the honor to meet them through our mutual good friend, Tony Sane, who had a dinner f- with them at FEMA's. Now, Pays to be a former uh, pro soccer player who played in the World Cup. Exactly. Or a friend be of on his. The, be on the all-star team, actually, at the World Cup. One of the greatest, probably, World Cup international players and in uh, in U.S. history, and uh, you know you see these guys all most of them playing internationally at the highest level, right? I mean, um, you know, playing at Chelsea, playing at Dortmund, Man City, and and I think they're ready. I think that the the two years ago was a bit of a fluke. Uh, um, the French won a World Cup now, uh, 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 four years after they lost, so I think this is going to catapult the men. And uh, I think the politics behind it, obviously, and, and I forget her name. Um, the, the well, Megan Ra- Rapino or Rapino. Rapino, yeah. right? Has been an interesting story. In yeah, itself. she's been pretty colorful. I mean, the thing about it is, it's also at a time when women's soccer is trying to get pay equity from U.S. soccer and um, the, the sport in general. I mean. One of the things I wanted to talk with you about, Steve Silton is my guest. He is a sports business and entertainment lawyer with the law firm of Cozen O'Connor. ESPN has just um, signed a deal with NWSL, so the the Women's Soccer League, uh, for the rest of the season. So they'll televise 14 matches beginning July 14th. Six of the games, including the championship in both semifinals, will air on ESPN2, while the other eight will be on ESPN News. So, you know, this is the kind of thing where just having these deals, I mean, whatever is following this World Cup, right? Yeah, and that's an excellent point. And it's it's a little bit of the chicken and the egg. I mean, if you think about it, you know, the the English Premier League, which 10 years ago no one in America had heard of other than the, the people who had played there, you know, got their uh, television deal with NBC, what was that, four years ago? And now everybody is watching them, right? My my kids no longer watch Saturday morning cartoons. They watch Saturday morning English Premier League games. I think this will be very, very helpful, right, to have this nationally televised games, to see these these women who played now in the World Cup playing professionally. Uh, it's a, it, it's it's going to play upon itself. I mean, I think it's going to be a process. I don't think they're going to be paid equally. Uh, right away. Um, I think their claim to be for pay equity is appropriate, even if it's not something that's going to happen maybe for a decade. And it may uh, not even be equal equal, but it's so low, Steve. Correct. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a it's 
it's a I don't know what the disparity is. I don't have the numbers. Um, I mean, there's so much room for improvement. Yes, and there is no part of the problem is is that the there you know it doesn't have the same international leagues in in England and France and Spain. Like it just doesn't as of this point. Uh, in many respects, those societies are a little behind even the United States in those type of issues. So I think that'll be helpful. And and uh, um, you know, I mean, it, it's an important uh, it's an important process without a doubt. All right. If you have any calls or questions for Steve, we're talking about some of the hot trades and attorneys happening right now. Give us a call, 651-486-989-9226. So, Steve, 3M Open. I mean, this is an exciting time for golf in Minnesota. Yes. I mean, I think and this weekend is holding together, right? The, the, the course itself is not getting blown to bits, which I think people's concerned concerned about. The weather has, has hung out. I played on the Pro-Am on Wednesday, and I did not contribute to the little score, sadly. <laughs> but <laughs> it, how fun was that? It was, it, was, uh, um, it was exhilarating and incredibly scary, actually. I mean, you're actually playing with these pros in the same conditions that they're playing throughout the weekend. They've got the same people with the be quiet, even though there were only like four fans in every hole for me. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I played with two great pros. One is uh, actually a friend of a client of mine, a guy named Ryan Blom. And Ryan Blom put on a show yesterday on the front nine and has uh, struggled a bit, but I've, I've got, I've got hope for him uh, tomorrow to come back. Um, and then Bo Hostler, Bo Hostler's in the, in, in, in the midst of it. I mean, if you were playing with Bill Mickelson, there were two, three hundred people walking with you during this. Walking and, with you, wow! Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And I would have killed at least four of them. So, <laughs> luckily, luckily they didn't put me with anybody. But it, it was very, very exciting. You know, you have rules officials there, and they're making sure you don't like fluff up your ball, which is, as anyone who's played golf with me will tell you, I'll do occasionally. And and it was, it was the course is in pristine shape. It's a beautiful. Very interesting course. It is a little easy for the pros. I think they'll continue to work on it. Tom Lehman, who's also playing in it. Um, a famous Minnesota golfer. Probably one of the best uh, history of golf, Minnesota uh, golfer, and a great guy. I heard him speak last week. Um, he's the guy who redesigned it, uh, uh, and I think he's going to continue to work on it. The crowds yesterday were great. I hear today they're even better. I think tomorrow it's going to be a really, really, really exciting day, and I think hopefully it's the tournament that uh, that will continue you know more interesting facts you know this there used to be a permanent golf uh tournament in minnesota for years it was called the saint paul open and it was located at keller golf course in saint paul which is a great municipal course and i think it i I think it went all the way through the 70s gene saracen won it so it's great that golf's coming back on a permanent basis to minnesota i think it's going to work really well here i i i don't know what your thoughts are but i like that it's over the fourth of july weekend um I think it's a great place to travel over the 4th of July, the Twin Cities. I think we'll... Yeah, the weather usually is cooperative, and there's a lot to do, really, even if you're not doing golf the whole weekend. So you can check some things out, go downtown, go out to the Mall of America, whatever it is. The lakes. The lakes. I mean, go boating, go uh, snorkel, whatever you want to do in the water, you could do. Um, What I wanted to ask you about, Steve, is... Just this, uh, and by the way, if you haven't seen Dave Lee's Instagram photos from the 3M Open, take a look. I've been actually, I was following them uh, from Australia even. He got some really great shots out there uh, on his Instagram page. But what does it mean, you know, economically for us when some of these big golf tournaments come to town? I mean, you can't really, I mean, you just cannot compare 
to like a Super Bowl or a Final Four in basketball. No, but it, all these big sporting events essentially contribute to our quality of life, not only economic quality of life, but also, you know, kind of our, how, how we feel about ourselves. We had a Super Bowl. We had a Final Four this year. We've got the return of, of PGA golf. I think it's great. I mean, frankly, showcasing our state in July makes more sense than showcasing our state in February. I think that this is uh, <clears throat> this is frankly a great idea, and, and hopefully it'll continue. I think it's I think it's good for us, um, and uh, I'm really hopeful that that this will gain traction. Thank you to 3M. Um, I think 3M has 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 put in a lot of money. I think they've made a substantial investment. I don't think they're going to get back this year. I don't think they're going to get back next year. I think this is going to have to be a commitment to our state. And to, to everything that we have, and, and hopefully they'll continue to do it, and hopefully it'll be, continue to be successful. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then more with Steve Silton. He is my show's regular contributor, so we've been together doing this on the air, Steve, for seven years. Hard to believe. Uh, give us you a call. were just out of college, right? <laughs> yeah, very sweet. 651-989-9226 or 866-989-9226. And one of the things I want to get into with Steve when we get back are some of the hot trades. Yes, Well, I guess he's going to be hopping on a lot of planes at LAX. Kawhi Leonard has signed with the LA Clippers. That's pretty fresh stuff. Late last night, we were learning about it. I was sitting in the San Francisco airport waiting for my midnight plane and saw it cross Twitter. Um, And Devin, you guys had just gotten off the air uh, when, when that came through. Yeah, it was me and Eric Nelson, and we did final pitch after the Twins game and then went into just some sports talkers. And literally, as we turned the mics off at about 12.58, um, up on the TV, it showed um, Kawhi Leonard just signed 142 or something like that deal with the Clippers. Wow. So Steve Silton, he's my guest right now. Uh, Phone lines are open if you want to chat with him. He's a sports business and entertainment lawyer for Cozen O'Connor. Those are big numbers. And, I mean, sad. My heart broke for my Canadian cousin, Jason, Mm. who, uh, you know, I texted when I heard uh, he just won a world championship with the Raptors. Uh, I mean, these guys, I mean, it's a business, I guess. It, it is, and it's it's a player's league. It's very unlike the NFL where the, the people pledge allegiance to a team, no matter who's suiting up in their uniform. In the NBA, people follow players, and the Kawhi fans are going to follow him from Toronto to the Clippers. Um, you know, LeBron fans are LeBron fans no matter where he plays. This is a very, 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 very different, different league. I, I think it's but let me read you two headlines I'm looking at right here from the New York Post four hours ago. Kawhi Leonard leaves Raptors in a weird spot from Forbes. Kawhi Leonard chooses L.A. Clippers for less money than Toronto Raptor, Raptors could have offered. Yeah, correct. I mean, that is the, the advantage that they, the, the NBA tries to offer teams that have the players is that they can sign the, the players to essentially a premium um, he was required to take substantially less. Now playing in L.A., he's going to be able to make up the money in, in yeah, and so the markets do matter to some of the players. Markets definitely matter. Um, I mean, there's a reason why LeBron wanted to end his career in uh, in in L.A. I mean, it's it you know it's the era of the super teams. Uh, there's going to continue to be a lot of movement over the years. Anything can happen from year to year as long as you have cap space. It's a very very interesting time. Uh, that being said, listen, the NBA is is having record numbers. Uh, I just saw that within the last five years. The value of NBA teams has more than doubled, right? You saw the Clippers sold for more than $2 billion at a time when they were one of the worst 
teams in the NBA. So I, it, it's it's not hurting them. Uh, and if it's if it's not hurting them, they're not going to fix it. I don't like it. Uh, you know, I grew up a, a Bulls fan, and I, I liked watching Michael Jordan on on the Bulls when he went to to the Wizards. I was still a Michael Jordan fan, but I hated seeing him in those ugly uniforms. Um, you know, it. I, I don't think it personally doesn't satisfy my needs, but but I'm not the one who. You know, there's a whole ethical conversation we could have about all this stuff with these sports teams, especially NBA. These numbers are um, astronomical. But what about the Raptors? I mean, you know, the one headline saying leave leaving the Raptors in a weird spot. I mean, you just won the world championship. Hopefully, that's enough of a high to be you know looking at other players to start a new season. Well, it's going to take them a long time to recover from this, but I I do think they. Toronto would have traded uh, um, the championship for what they're going through right now, w- without a doubt. I mean, I think that the championships are so rare, and they're also very, very difficult. You can't buy a championship even with, with the greatest players. Right, and there's something something to be said about Golden State. Had they been at full strength, who knows if the Raptors would have won that title. Yes, yes, yes. But, you know, listen, Kawhi Leonard has proven himself to be a you know a top-five player, a bona fide uh, mm-hmm. NBA superstar. He's now won a championship for two teams where he was without a doubt the main player and didn't have a great number two player uh, um, on either teams under under the Spurs or with the, the Raptors last year. Uh, you can't say that with LeBron James, who's won three uh, and and intentionally made it so that he had at least one of the top five players playing alongside him. So, I mean, it's in many respects, I mean, who's? It'll be interesting to see how that legacy comes down. So, I mean, yeah, Kawhi could win. Kawhi could win many more championships than than LeBron. Let's talk about our teams for a moment. Um, thoughts about what the Timberwolves uh, should be looking for, want as we uh, look at the fall. You know, as you know, I've got a very close relationship with the Timberwolves, and I'm always a little bit careful in what I say. However, I think uh, um, there was a lot of hope. And it looked like that the Timberwolves were going to get D'Angelo Russell before uh, 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 he went to Golden State. I think that a lot of fans were very, very excited. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting what they what they do. They did not make a big splash in free agency. Uh, um, Jordan Bell is not going to move the needle. However, Jarrett Culver, uh, uh, who they moved up in the draft to to pick, could be a very, very, very interesting player. Some people had him as a top one or two talent in this year's. Draft. We all got to see him when he played at the U.S. Bank Stadium in the Final Four. So, it, it, you know, it, it's always hard to tell. One player like that can very, very much change uh, the whole uh, dynamic. The whole dynamic. And and listen, Andrew Wiggins is three years removed from being a an emerging superstar. He scored twenty three point six points three years ago, and there's no question he regressed under Jimmy Butler. Um, there's no question Butler ha- seems to have a negative influence on every roster he's on. Uh, and now he's going to South Beach. We'll see, we'll see how he does uh, in South yeah, Beach. Yeah, he's had quite an interesting – there are a few questions I'd like to ask him. but Yeah, and, and who knows if he'll answer it. I mean, he's clearly – you know, it's interesting because you want to like the guy, right? He was – he kind of came out of obscurity playing at Marquette to be kind of brought into this 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 player – uh, exceeded all expectations. Clearly, has this great competitive edge, which I so admire, but also has this kind of seeming self-destruction. And, and he certainly did it here in, in Minnesota. 
despite bringing them to the playoffs for the first time. In quite yeah, and that was a big, yeah, like 15, I mean, yeah. a lot of years. That was a big, uh, big moment for Minnesota. I think that was hopefully we turned a corner. You know, you need to kind of get to that corner, experience it, and then look beyond. The good news is we have the Twins. Who that won. is such a positive, I mean, such a positive season. I don't know that anyone could have predicted we head into the All-Star break. With this kind of season. No, it's it's phenomenal. We're seven games up. We've got one more game tomorrow, and we have a much-needed break. Particularly our pitching staff looks a little tired, um, though Pineda p- pitched great today. And, and, and listen, this is very exciting. It does kind of bridge the gap between uh, the end of, of basketball and hockey season and football season. You know, in Minnesota, sometimes the football season would start in July just because you had nothing else to root for. You cannot say this this year. I think this team is is – built to last when you have Byron Buxton ninth in the lineup. As I say, he's one of the best ninth hitter in the history of major league baseball. Um, and it's an exciting, exciting, exciting team. I, 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 you know, people keep waiting for them to, to, uh, to falter. And I don't think they're going to. Yeah. I think we have to remain glass half full uh, or even more than half right now in order to send that positive energy. Yeah. Keep it with the team. You know, I've never read the secret, but I think, Everyone in Minnesota should have to read it yeah. when they're root for these, this team, right? You can't yeah. assume that there's going to be failure, right? Yeah. This no. is you got to stay positive. You, this is a this this team has been built over a period of years. I mean, the the you know people forget because we've had kind of this this period of of losing teams for a long time. The Twins were a model franchise. The Polads, as a family, know how to build a baseball team, and they built this team from the ground up. And uh, um, I, I think it's going to sustain. So so let's all positive thoughts. I mean, positive energy, up, positive we're, vibes. We're filling Put up that the, out into the universe. We're filling up the best ballpark in, in Major League Baseball, and we're winning games. How much more fun can that be? And there are new food items out there, so it's a, it's a winning combination. Yes. All right, be, before we let you go, Steve, on this 4th of July Saturday, any predictions from your insight? I always like to kind of go crystal ball with you uh, that we should be keeping an eye on in any sport right now. Oh, in any sport, okay. It'll it'll be, I, I, oh boy, gotcha. that, we, that we're not that we wouldn't know because we don't have your insider's touch. Okay, I, you know, I spent the last five days like golfing and drinking over the Fourth of July, so I haven't even read any. You know, <laughs> I, I listen. I think I think the uh, soccer is going to continue. I was going to say Minnesota I mean, United. Minnesota United is going to great. There, any if you haven't been out to Allianz Field, it is. A truly great facility, and you'll you'll absolutely enjoy it. I think Minnesota United is going to continue to do well. I think the Twins are going to make it to the ALCS. I'm making a guarantee on that. All right, they you are heard going, it here. They're going to face the Yankees, Ooh. and I refuse to make a prediction. Uh, I refuse to make a prediction. You know, karma's got to turn at one point. Why not in 2019? Yeah, and and also I I, I mean I'll tell you, I think that the the men's national team kind of are going to get catapulted by the, another victory by the women's team and are going to put together a, a team that's going to go in to the two the World Cup in two years here as if hmm. not a favorite. Women influencing men for the better. What a concept. Yes. Well, there's there's historical <laughs> there's historical precedent in that. <laughs> yes. There, there's, there's daily precedent there's, there's and examples of precedent, that, Steve. Precedent for that. So, <laughs> so I, 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 that, is, that is my prediction, that they're, that they're going to do more for men's uh, soccer. soccer 
than than even girls and women's soccer. That is that now that you you just took a very positive and and put a little bit of cynicism. But sadly, well, that might be the truth. Well, I am a radio talk show host. So. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Sultan, always a pleasure. Thank you for coming in studio. He is with the law firm of Cozen O'Connor. He is my sports business and entertainment law contributor. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Oh, thanks. All right. Thanks very much, Rosini. It's great. You're, yes, I feel more jet lagged than you. You're incredible coming back from, from vacation like this, frankly. Well, you're very kind. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break and then a topic that is very dear to a lot of our hearts, and that's the Pledge of Allegiance. St. Louis Park going back and forth. They're looking at it again on Monday night after the city council voted a couple weeks ago to stop saying it at their city council meetings, but they've heard from a lot of you. Phone lines are open. We'll have a guest on this topic who's um, a U.S. former instructor at the U.S. Military Academy. We're going to get into it when we come back. This American Girl is very happy you are spending part of your Saturday night with me, Rashini Rajkumar, in tonight for Esme Murphy. And we're going to talk about a topic that my guess is dear to a lot of your hearts, and that is the Pledge of Allegiance. It's kind of one of those topics that you just For many of us, you just grew up with it. It's around. You say it, whether it was in kindergarten or you're part of civic groups and you say it at meetings. But lately, it's been a little controversial. And in the city of St. Louis Park, in fact, a couple weeks ago, the city council voted to not say the Pledge of Allegiance during city council meetings. Well, since then, they got quite, uh, quite the feedback, a little bit of an uproar from citizens and others and they are going to revisit the issue Monday night. Uh, originally, their vote uh, says the measure would take effect July 15th, but this whole revisitation could bring up some other changes. So to get into this topic and just the pledge and how it's changed over the years, we've asked Dick Middleton to join us. He's a former instructor at the U.S. Military Academy, West Point. Hello, Dick. Happy Fourth of July weekend. Well, happy Fourth of July to you. All right. This is a, a sensitive topic. My guess is that you are a lover of the Pledge of Allegiance. Absolutely. How would you say the pledge has changed? Give us a little history about it. Well, the, the, the Pledge of Allegiance will be 127 years old this September. It consists of 31 words, 13 phrases, and can be stated in about 15 seconds. The author of the Pledge of Allegiance was a gentleman whose name was Francis Bellamy, and he was a 37-year-old Baptist minister from upstate New York, and he was asked to arrange a patriotic program for our country, Uh, and it was first published in September of 1892 to coincide with the 400th anniversary of Christopher Columbus coming to the United States or discovering uh, the United States at that point in time. And in that process, he convinced Congress to, uh, in fact, endorse the school ceremony. And he also convinced President uh, Benjamin Harrison to issue a proclamation declaring Columbus Day a, a national holiday. And uh, that, So you've mentioned a lot of stats that, I mean, most of those, I didn't know all of those details. I mean, because it's just something... You know, as you say, 127 years old going on uh, that most of us grew up with. Uh, Absolutely. And the pledge was adopted by Congress in 1942, and its name, the Pledge of Allegiance, was adopted in 1945. And in 1957, the Library of Congress officially affirmed 
that the concept of this new pledge, the concept came from his boss, James Upton, and Francis Bellamy was designated as its sole author. And during these past 127 years, one word has changed and eight words have been added. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, because that is where I think some of uh, the conversation and in some cases controversy comes up when it comes to the reciting of the pledge. Well, Bellamy's original pledge was as follows. I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Now, the word that was changed was the word my. During this time, there was a lot of, in the late 1800s, there was a lot of immigration coming into the United States. And patriotic organizations and other individuals felt that these immigrants should be um, know what flag they were really pledging allegiance to. So in 1923, the word, though the pronoun my was changed, and the word was the. But in 1924, the National Flag Conference changed and added the words of the United States of America. So it was very clear which flag was being paid allegiance to. And as additional history that you'd like perhaps to know, in, in 1942, at that point in time, when school children said the Pledge of Allegiance, they raised their right hand up parallel to their forehead with their palm down. And Congress in 1942 said this resembled too much the Nazi, the, uh, Nazi salute, and they since then changed it so that we'd put our right hand over our heart. And that was in 1942. In 1943, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, no one could be forced to recite the pledge. And in 1954, President Dwight David Eisenhower, a West Point graduate, and of course the commander of all European operations, added the words under God to the pledge. And that is what I want to ask you about, because to me, that is what uh, laid the groundwork for some of the more controversial discussions or fights that have come, uh, as well as what maybe led to the St. Louis Park uh, decision back in uh, mid-June to not say it at their city council meetings. Well, here's here you should know the exact reason why Dwight Eisenhower added those words. And he was asked this question, and he said for two main reasons. He said, and let me quote this to you, he said, in this way, we are reaffirming religious faith in America's heritage and future. And secondly, he said, in this way, we shall constantly strengthen those spiritual weapons which shall ever be our country's most powerful resource in peace and war. Interesting to note. Do you have an opinion? I'm talking with Dick Middleton. He's a former instructor at U.S. Military Academy West Point. If you have any questions or comments on this, give us a ring, 651-989-9226, I'm also entertaining text messages, 81807. Would love to hear from you. What is your thought about what the city of St. Louis Park has done? Well, you know, I give I give three series of patriotic speeches, um, and this is the second speech. It's called the Pledge of Allegiance. Another speech that I do is called uh, is called the History of, of the American Flag, and the third speech that I do 
is, is called Folds of Honor, in which I talk about the three elements of a military funeral. And in each of these speeches, uh, I never take a political position because this is our patriotic history of our country. And in, as you know, in 1943, as I said, the, the Supreme Court ruled that no one should be forced or coerced into saying the pledge. So it really up to, is up to the individual. Now, I'm a patriot, and it was my pleasure and honor to serve in the military, as well as to train cadets. I'm also a proud member of the Memorial Rifle Squad at Fort Snelling. I'm on the Tuesday Squad. So uh, you will find my views very patriotic in nature. Uh, no one is ever forced to say the Pledge of Allegiance. But uh, let me think, make something very clear, clear to, to you and, I guess, the rest of the audience, and that is the Pledge of Allegiance is not a pledge of loyalty to our government. Uh, let me say that again. It is not a pledge of loyalty to our government. It is a pledge to our nation, which is made up of we the people. Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I myself am a patriot also. To me, it seems that the pledge is this simple, I mean, let's leave that term under God separate, but it's this simple way to unify us that could actually supersede any religion or any kind of part of the country. It just unifies us. So I look at it as something that should be a very positive part of our history. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the one thing that, you know, I don't know if your time permits, but Part of my speech is I talk about what do the words mean in contemporary language. Uh, a, a fun part of this speech is I say that I remember when the word tweet was something that birds did, and Amazon was the name of a river. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. So it, it, part of my speech is that I talk about what does each word mean in the Pledge of Allegiance, and there's only 31. Yeah, that's amazing when you say that. I guess it, that is really not a lot uh, of words, but yet it is such a poignant piece of writing. Bellamy did such a great job. But I think that the changing and some of the editing of it, uh, the City Council of St. Louis Park will take this issue up again. So it could reverse itself. Uh, and it wasn't making a statement about the entire city or what's happening at, in schools. This is just ahead of City Council meetings. There's also uh, something to be said, Dick Middleton, about just civics in our country right now. It seems that they're not always getting taught, or if they are, it's a light gloss over kind of thing. And my guess is that you may agree with me on this, but I, I feel that it's really, really not a good thing for whether you're an immigrant coming to this country, as I was at the age of 22 months, so I'm a naturalized citizen. But it's a unifying thing to learn civics, to learn about the history, to learn how the government operates so that you can live a better American life. I think it's a negative that uh, states and cities are not paying as much attention to teaching civics. And then the pledge is kind of part of that whole scenario. Well, I would agree. When you uh, join the service, whether you're an officer or an enlisted individual, you take an oath. And uh, the oath that we take as members of the military doesn't end with our retirement, doesn't end with our age. And uh, that's the reason why when uh, I give this speech to senior living facilities, uh, senior living centers, and schools, and VFW Post, and American Legion Post, um, it is taken very serious. Uh, we say the Pledge of Allegiance at our American Legion Post every time that we meet. Uh, it is, it, it, it's personal to us. 
there isn't anyone who serves in a rifle squad. I know at the Memorial Rifle Squad here at Fort Snelling that if they called for us for our service today, uh, even though our average age is over 73, we would be there because we've served our company, our, our country before, and we will serve it again. And when I do these speeches at senior living facilities, invariably one or two seniors will come up and say, I really hope that this is being taught in schools these days. Well, I would and love I have- for you to do more of your talks in elementary schools, <laughs> junior high, high schools. I think, uh, you know, your deep knowledge of the pledge as well as other facts about our, our country would really be greatly appreciated by younger generations. Well, thank you. I, I agree, too. But I, I will share with you that I've had some pushback from uh, high schools. It's not important which one to say it's not politically correct to know the history of the American flag because I have a very rare collection of 11 American flags covering the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, and modern-day flags. And it just covers the history and the development of our 27 flags of our country. And the same thing holds holds true when we do um, the honor ceremonies at Fort Snelling, because the history of each one of these elements of a funeral is very touching and very moving. Yeah, uh, that is amazing. the three rifle volleys, the playing of taps, and then, of course, the folding and the presentation of the American flag. Uh, it's all very moving, and it's an important part of our heritage and our history. Yeah, and, you know, one thing I will say as a lover of the Constitution, our Constitution gives us the right to even express our freedom of speech by burning the flag. Not that I would want anyone to do that, but you cannot be prosecuted for burning the flag. And so in this same country— uh, that we have that kind of freedom, I think, is amazing. Uh, and therefore, I think there's some sort of gratitude to be given for what we are fighting for, the country, the nation, and are proud of. And uh, the pledge really represents that. Well, Dick Middleton, well, an honor to speak with you today. Uh, thank you for your service. Any final thoughts well, as we say goodbye on this Fourth of yes, July weekend? I, I want you to know that it, after all these speeches, I invariably am asked the question, why do we stand for the Pledge of Allegiance or when the flag passes by or when we sing the national anthem? Because, as you know, there's been a lot of controversy, and I've been asked about, well, what do you, how do you respond to that? And there's four reasons why we do, why we stand. And number one is we stand to honor those who paid the ultimate price for our freedom and sacrifice. The second reason we stand is because we stand to recognize what unites us as Americans, not what divides us. Exactly. The third reason reason why we stand is because we stand as a salute to justice, not for past or current injustices. And lastly, we stand to set an example for future generations, for our hope in our children's future, and that they will embrace the, 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 the principles of patriotism that our grandparents and their grandparents, all those before us, have exercised. So that's why we stand when we say the Pledge of Allegiance. Well, thank you, Dick Middleton. We've learned so much from you today about our American history, not only about the flag, but uh, the pledge and so many other layers of what it means to be American. And it's so so necessary and uh, symbolic uh, on this weekend. Thank you so much, and uh, you have a wonderful evening and rest of the holiday weekend. Well, thank you very much, and God bless the USA. Thank you. We are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, phone lines are open, folks. I want to hear from you about this. What do you think? Do you agree with me and Dick that the pledge should continue to be recited, not only in St. Louis Park but other places? I want to talk with you. 651-989-9226. 
Rashini Rajkumar back with you on this July 4th, Saturday. Thank you for spending your time with me. I'm in for Esme tonight. And we are talking about the Pledge of Allegiance, the Constitution. What does it mean to be American? We learned a lot of great factoids, great stats about the Pledge of Allegiance from Dick Middleton, my previous guest. And now I want to hear from you. Phone lines are open, 651-989-9226 or 866-989-9226. You can also text me, 81807. What do you think the St. Louis Park City Council should do when it re-meets on Monday night? It voted back on June 17th uh, to drop the pledge from City Council meetings. But different members of the City Council as well as the mayor, Jake Spano, have, have received a lot of feedback. And so there is the latest reports I read, they are re-meeting about this on Monday evening. What would you tell the city council? I would say reinstate it. What is wrong with saying it in a government situation before a city council meeting? Some of the reasoning, according to reports, were that they wanted to not make anyone feel unwelcome. Uh, There might be immigrants in the audience or different things like that was some of what I've read in the reports. And here's the deal. 83% of St. Louis Park, according to some statistics, are white Americans, which some of them could be immigrants, some not. But at the end of the day, you can't just make some sort of rule like this or pass whatever you want to call it, a measure, because you think – People will be offended by a 31-word Pledge of Allegiance. A pledge, as Dick Middleton pointed out, is to our nation. It's not to the government. It's not to any particular religion. So it's very in sync with the Constitution that we have freedom of religion and expression in this country. But it is a pledge to the country. And what I would say is someone who's an immigrant myself, although I don't remember those days. I came here when I was 22 months. It is so important when you're an immigrant to learn about the language of the country that you perhaps are going to become a citizen in or resident in to learn about some of the traditions. So important. So I am am and always will be all about the pledge, and I do hope St. Louis Park gets that pledge back uh, and relooks at this in a way that reverses itself on Monday night. We'll continue to take your thoughts about the Constitution and being an American for the rest of the night. Phone lines will be open, but for now, we'll take a break for national and local news. And when we come back, we'll talk a little Airbnb. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.